Oh. <laughs> Younger than me, Ben. <laughs> I occasionally send out a text to the young adults that says, hey, young hyphen er, you know, younger than me adults rather than just young adults, you know. I still feel young. I legitimately still feel young. Though the beard is giving, it, giving some things away. How is everyone? Good? I hope so. Well, for those that are visiting, welcome to Mount Clear Church of Christ. It's a beautiful part of the country here in Mount Clear. I was chatting to a family yesterday that are moving uh, from Wangaratta to Ballarat in the next couple of months. Uh, and they're looking for a place to live. And I said, well, you know, if you want a place where you're on fire alert, and you've got a backyard, but you, you hear the birds every morning, and it's a lovely place with great people, Mount Clear, Mount Helen, Mount Pleasant. I just threw all the mounts out there. You know, for those that don't live in those particular suburbs, my apologies, but I'm sure it's just as good in Brown Hill or Sebastopol or, or Bunningyong. But, you know, it was really nice to be able to share just with a family that are coming to say, hey, this is a really great area. And you know what? We're a really great church. <laughs> so you should come along. So come around July. Uh, I'm believing that we'll see them. They're friends of uh, Debbie and Gary Grant. That Gary's been here with us before. And so um, he's recommended that they come and check out our church. And so we should too. Um, last week I mentioned, for those that were here, just in relation to our uh, kids' church, Mount Clear Kids. So we've got our Little Stars and our Shine and I encouraged everyone, if you can, to, to get around and encourage and love and thank our volunteers. And I just want to keep doing that. See, often when you're up on stage, if you're speaking, people come up and, you know, they say, that was so good. Thank you for that word. That was fantastic. And, and then others also say things that aren't as nice as that. But it's because I'm front and centre, you know. If you're on worship, people get around and go, that was awesome worship, it was so good, the way you played the keys, hit the drums, sang the notes, we just want to thank you for all that you do, but it's thankless often when you're in looking after the creche kids or the primary age kids because you're not seen. And so I want to encourage you, whether you're a parent with kids or, or not, just to get around those volunteers and to really thank them and love them. Thank them for their time. Thank them for their sacrifice. Thank them for investing into one of the generations that's going to come through and, and carry the light of the gospel. Amen? Because they'll appreciate it. I guarantee you they will love it. They're not front and centre, but they're investing. Yeah? And so there's often people behind the scenes. And I want us to be a church that thanks not just those of us that are front and centre that you see, but those of us that are behind the scenes as well. Is that okay? I don't think anyone would have a problem with that. Um, I mentioned it last week, as I said, and I went to some of those kids' church leaders and I said, hey, did some of the people come up to you and thank you today? Look, I had a big smile on their face and they were like, both, I'm talking both. They go, no, I go, no, seriously, did they come and thank you? Because I said last week, I said, we want to get around and we want to champion you and high-five you and, and I encourage the whole church to thank you. Did And both said no. Um, I, I'm not putting that out there for any guilt or shame or anything like that. But you know what? We can do better. We can, we can just do better. I'm a glass half full person, not a glass half empty. So we can do better. So today, before you leave, whoever it is that's in that room or out in the back hall, just go up and say, you know what? Thank you. You guys are awesome. Can, can I encourage you to do that? Is that okay? Yeah? I want you to look to the person on the right and say, he's talking to you. Yeah. And then look to the person on the left and say, I know you already do that. You know, last week I spoke about God's desire should be our desire. And we looked at the fact that he's, he wants a relationship with us, that he's hungry for us, that he's hungry for the lost. And that if we're created in his image, yeah, if we're created in his image, then, and his fullness lives in us, then our desire should be his desire. And so we looked at that, we unpacked some of that last week. We looked at the fact that he wants to win the lost. We looked at that he wants to reach the unchurched and the unsaved. We looked at the fact that his solution was to send his son Jesus. And then once he sent his son Jesus, then his plan is to use us that have accepted him yeah, to reach those people. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much the gospel, yeah? Today I want to keep looking at God's desire. Because I, I want to suggest that he desires 
for us to have his best. God desires for us to have his best. Yet I speak to so many Christians and in life we don't believe it. We know it in our heads, but we don't believe it in our hearts. When you think of John 3.16, yeah? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that you know, whoever will believe in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Do we really think that God has anything but his best for us? Like, you've got to understand his best. God wants his best. So whatever you consider best, the person beside you, no matter how good of a sportsman they are, the person behind you, no matter how good they are at scrapbooking, you know, whatever it might be, no matter how good someone is that you know at anything at all, yeah? God's best, all of God, his best, his desires that we would have that. I mean, that, that should be enough that we just sit there and just ponder at his goodness. Really? Yeah? You're way too quiet. I'm talking about God's best, not God's worst. You should be really excited. Going, Come on, preach it. Yes, amen. I want some of that. Give me some of that. Look, you should want it. It's his best for you, for me, for us. It's his best. God wants his best. The problem is life, isn't it? Life. Just life, the life that we go through, life. It would be so much easier if it wasn't for life. You know, because I think at the end of the day, we've all experienced things. Uh, we've all gone through, through certain things in life. And for some of us, maybe it's just me, yeah? I'm happy to, to be the transparent one. Maybe it's just me. Sometimes we think the worst. We, in fact, we expect the worst. Like, have you ever had a phone call and someone says, hey, I want to catch up with you. And your first thought is, oh my goodness, what have I done now? Anyone ever thought that? Like seriously, come on. Why, why is that? We're children of God. And he wants and desires his best for us. But for some reason, we think the worst. You know, we can all get into a bad habit of just expecting more of what we've already had. The truth is. And we've all been through stuff in life. And now we're just waiting for more of that stuff to happen and come, you know? And I can be like that. I can flat out be like that. You know, a bill can come at home, an unexpected bill or a fine, and it'll be like, yeah, just typical. Just, we're just about to get ahead. Just about to have the extra money to get that. Typical, of course that happened, you know? But no one else has ever thought that, I'm sure. You know, you're in a relationship and you're certain this relationship's going to last forever. And she's the one, he's the one. And all of a sudden, they're gone. Poof! See you later, farewell, so long. Hey, it was great, but you're not the one for me. And you were certain, certain, that that was the one that was going to last forever. And now you just sit at home. You know, you play old love songs. And you contemplate spending the rest of your life alone. You know? And when someone else is in a relationship, you know, you're almost, there's a jealousy and disdain. Of course it works out for them. It's never going to be for me. You, know, you see it all, there's, there's different memes on Facebook, on social media that people send around. Someone sent one around yesterday and it was a family having dinner, but the family was all skeletons. Right? And the caption was, my family waiting for me to get married. Yeah? Now, that's a joke, really, and they put it out there you know, to talk about the expectation of the family, but the, deep down inside, that's what they're actually thinking. Why is it taking so long? You know? And we just sit in this stuff, expecting it never to get better, but yet, whenever we read the Word, it's so obvious that God's desire is His absolute best for you and me, for us. You know, there's an unexpected sickness or an unexpected death in the family and we just think, well, you know, of course it's going to be us. Well, there's the first one or there's the second one. Always comes in threes. Anyone ever said that? Anyone ever heard that? You're just waiting for the next disaster to happen in your life. Yeah? Because of life, I think we can all be like that at times. But that's not how God wants us to live. God doesn't want us to live like that. You know, some people have grown up and have had abusive parents. You know, it's just life. 
Some people end up with the wrong partner, absolutely, completely, and just can't get out. Others can't hold down a job. Others get bullied at school for years. Some people suffer such indescribable loss. And by the time you and I are who we are right now, right at this moment, we're negative. We feel hopeless. We just sit there and we ponder things about all things, everything, and it can be a struggle just to make it through each day. Is there some reality in that for some people? Life can be tough. It, like, it just can be tough. You buy a coffee and it's terrible. And many of us just get hurt in life. We do. That's life. And now we're negative and now we expect the worst. And it can happen even to those of us with the strongest relationship in God. Yeah? It shouldn't because he desires his very best for us. But it can even happen to those of us who have a relationship with him. But God doesn't want you and me to live like that. Come on. There's some good stuff coming. Daddy wants his best for us. Absolutely. He really wants us to experience his best. And he gives us the power to live his best in our life every day. Proverbs 15, 15 reads, For the despondent, every day brings trouble. I think that's where a lot of us can live, yeah? But the second half of that scripture says, For the happy heart, life is a continual feast. The Amplified Version, if you had an Amplified Bible, it actually reads, All the days of the afflicted are bad, but a glad heart has a continual feast. And then in brackets it says, regardless of the circumstances. Yeah? So his best for us happens regardless of the circumstances. So do we truly 100% believe that this God who sent his son to die on a cross so that we could have a relationship with him, do we really believe that his desire for us is his very best when we're going through some stuff? You know, the scripture, that scripture is talking about a fear of something bad happening when, when nothing's actually going wrong. It's just there waiting, you know, that anticipation. Who's ever gone to the letterbox at home? Just a thought. And you've pulled a letter out of the letterbox or the letters and one, for some reason, you're not sure what it looks like, but you think you've seen it before and in your head you're thinking, oh man, another fine, another speeding fine. Anyone ever done that? Or was it just me? Because I had multiple before moving to Ballarat. <laughs> Maybe it's just me. So now I live in fear. Then when I go, oh no, I've got another one. And I open it up. I go, oh, lucky. It's just my daughter driving my car. <laughs> anyway. The scripture's talking about our thoughts. About everything as we go through life. And if we look back... We start to see how those thoughts are affecting us, how it affects our emotions, how it affects our decisions, how it affects our outlook. You know, something somehow has gotten into our thinking. It's changed our perspective. It's made us children of God, ambassadors of heaven. It's made us negative in our everyday life. Something's made us fearful of what's coming. And you know what? There is an enemy you can call him the devil, call him Lucifer, call him whatever you will. And that's where he wants us to live. In that place, not expecting God's best, but expecting his worst. That's where he wants us to live. See, fear is the opposite of faith. And it takes faith to accept that anything and everything good in our lives comes from God. So how do we change our thinking? How do we do that? How do we shift and change? Because I'm going to suggest blanket comment here, yeah? And some of you are thinking, that's not me. I'm, I'm good all the time. I believe for God's best all the time. Praise God. Please tell me how you do it. I'm hoping to give some insight. But, you know, blanket comment, all of us live in this space from time to time. 
Yeah, we're negative about life, get frustrated with people, you want to backslap someone at work, but no one ever wants to do that. It's the Italian in me, I know. Right? You get upset with umpires when you watch the football, really bad, but not just bad. You're like, you're, you're like oh, if they were driving... You, you get road rage like Trevor. You know, that's not... God wants his best for us. But our thinking, something's tainted our thinking. And I think the answer can be found in this passage. Psalm 23, verse 5. You prepare a, pe- a feast, not a feast, a feast. A feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honour me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. See, God wants us to have his best. It's just that the enemy gets in the way. And part of God wanting his best for us is he pours his anointing on us. He pours, this is a word that people in church don't like. Yeah, you're not going to talk about or hear about the anointing of God on your life if you go to a conservative, right, church. It's just not going to happen. Yeah, it's not, they're not going to talk about God's anointing on you. But I want to talk about God's anointing on you because to have God's best in your life is His anointing on your life. Yeah? And I, you know what I love? Once you live in an anointing, once you grab hold of this anointing, it says, My cup overflows with blessings. My cup overflows with blessings. My goodness, my cup overflows with... That's all. What a promise. My cup overflows with blessings. See, God loves you and me so much that he pours his anointing on us. And in fact, in the NLT, it says that he honours us by anointing us. He honours us. Honour actually means great respect and high esteem. So here we are. We were sinners, yeah? Before the cross, we were sinners. He sends his son, yeah? He sends his son. We say, yes, Jesus, we want you in our life. We jump on the other side of the cross. Now we're sons and daughters of the living God. And in this place, he esteems us. He sees us as highly valued as his children. And he wants to pour his anointing upon us. I mean, that's really good stuff. He loves us so much that he wants to pour his anointing oil on us. Now, that passage of scripture in Psalm 23, it says that he honours us by anointing our head with oil. Have you ever asked yourself why in that passage the anointing oil is poured over our heads? Have you ever asked yourself that? See, sometimes with Scripture, we have to understand the time, the context. We've got to understand what was going on, where David was from when he was writing. There are some things that we need to take on board that help us to understand what he's trying to unpack for us, right? We need to understand the time that it was written. And when we can do that, it starts to make more sense and the Scripture starts to bubble up and come alive. See, David, before he was king, was a shepherd, yeah? He was a shepherd. He tended sheep, believe it or not. So with his knowledge of tending sheep through his life, he now uses an example to show us that God's desire is his very best for us. So, go with me on this journey. Sheep. Sheep. Ben could probably agree. He probably knows more about the whole agriculture scene farming scene than what I do. So if I'm wrong, let me know after the sermon. <laughs> after. But sheep would get infected by flies, by lice, by mosquitoes, by ticks. They would get infected. It would get into their eyes, their ears, their nose. Yeah? It would get up into their nasal sinus cavities and they would lay eggs in there and those eggs would hatch and then maggots would burrow and furrow and make their way to the brain of the... Sh- I know, disgusting stuff in it, but it's all good at the same time, yeah? And, and into the, the brain of the sheep, and the sheep would literally go mad. They would go mad. They would just fall over. They would bump into things. They'd run around in circles. They would go crazy mad. Now, we don't have that sort of problem today. Sheep still do, but... With all the stuff that farmers have, they don't have that same type of problem. We're in the 21st century. But the flies would somehow get in and they'd lay their eggs in those cavities and sheep would even stop eating. To the shepherds in David's day, and now, you're gonna, now you start to understand why, what he's writing in Psalm 23, the shepherds in David's day discovered, they learned something, that if they rubbed a fragrant oil 
into the wool or over the head of the sheep, that fragrance, that oil would actually keep the flies, the ticks, the lice, the mosquitoes out of the sheep's eyes, ears, noses, out of all of their orifices, really. So they would be better protected and because all those insects aren't getting into their heads, into their brain. So this is where Psalm 23 is an awesome picture for us because sometimes life feels like something got up our nose. Something, sometimes life feels like something got up our nose and it laid an egg and it hatched and there's a maggot, little demonic maggots and they're making their way into our brains and they're driving us insane. And now we're negative and now we're upset and now we're critical. That's what the enemy does. He gets in and he lays these little demonic eggs that hatch and make their way into our minds and take up too much of a focus and they suck all of our energy. It consumes us. And God's saying here through David, he's saying, let me anoint your head with oil. Because when I anoint your head with oil, the enemy can't get in. He can't get in. The flies can't get in. The eggs can't get laid. The maggots can't torment you. Let me anoint your head with oil. And when I do that, your blessings are going to overflow. Because our thinking changes. Because it remains focused on him. Our minds are the battlefields of our soul. Your mind and my mind are the battlefields of our soul. And every day the enemy's trying to gain entry into our thinking. He wants to lay eggs in there. If that picture alone keeps you in the presence of God, then keep it there. Yeah? Demonic little maggots start gnawing away at our minds. Doubts, lies, temptations, fears, hopelessness. Excuse me for a minute. They get into our minds, into our thoughts, and they rob us of our faith. It dominates our thoughts. It can dominate our thinking. And if we allow those things to get in, eventually our feet will follow. Eventually our feet will follow and we'll become that person. But that's not what God wants for us. See, his desire is for his best for us. His desire is for his best. And his best is, I'm going to pour my anointing on you. I'm going to pour it all over your head. I'm going to keep those nasties out. And your cup is going to overflow with blessings. As soon as Jesus is the Lord of our life, he pours his spirit over us to protect us. The minute we say yes to him, it starts. The protection starts. The embalming starts. The anointing oil starts. His anointing is pure and it keeps us thinking and it keeps our thoughts in heaven. It keeps our heads above the line with him. Amen. So we can actually live this best life now, believe it or not. Our best life is living in and from the anointing because it'll be blessed. Our not-so-best life is living outside of the anointing. You may live a good life outside of the anointing of God, but it's not your best life. Nor is it the best that he wants for you outside of the anointing. You know, 1 John chapter 2, verse 27 says, As for you, the anointing you received from him remains in you. And in fact, in the Greek, it says, the anointing you receive now remains in you. Like, it's instantaneous. It's not coming. It's right now. Remains in you. And you do not need anyone to teach you. You've got to love this, don't you? We don't even need to. We're not talking about education school. We're just talking about the things of God. We don't even need people to teach us because his anointing will teach us. God will teach you. You ever had a revelation reading the Bible and something drops into your spirit and think, oh my goodness, where did that come from? God's anointing. But as his anointing teaches you about all things and as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it is taught you, remain in him. See, his anointing teaches us and if it teaches us, we need to abide in him and by abiding in him, we keep getting the anointing. 
Does that make any sense? So if you want the anointing to run dry, stop abiding in God. Stop abiding in Him. The abiding has to be a part of your everyday life because the anointing has to be fresh. It's got to be fresh. It's got to be new. His mercies are new every day. His anointing for our life has to be fresh every day. Too many people are trying to live off yesterday's anointing today. And we can't do that. God's good. His truth is good. Everything he does is good. Everything God gives and offers is greater than what the enemy offers. And God wants to do something outrageously awesome in our life every moment of every day. Not just once a week, not just in the middle of the week, but every day. We need a fresh touch from God daily. We do. A fresh touch, a fresh anointing for today, a fresh anointing for tomorrow. It's important that we get a fresh touch and a fresh anointing and fresh oil. See, the oil, the anointing that was good for yesterday becomes ineffective today. Yeah, If we're going back to that example in Psalms, the shepherds would rub the oil onto the sheep over their heads and pour it, but it came a time where that fragrance was lost. The oil was ineffective. And so before the next summer, before the next wave of those nasties, of those flies and ticks and lice, they would have to reapply and remassage in the fragrant oil. God has to, wants to. His desire for you is to massage in fresh anointing oil for our life every day. He wants to pour it over your head every day so that the nasties never get in. Never get in. Not once a year, not once a month, not once a decade. Never get in because you're in his presence abiding in him. The old anointing runs out. It gets used up. This is a picture for us as a church, isn't it? It's important that we get the fresh oil for our lives every day. You know, I believe today that during the ministry time, we're going to pray for people. And we're going to pray for a fresh anointing of the Holy Ghost. We're going to pray for a fresh anointing of God to come and wash over you from the top to bottom. So those nasties that are in there don't ever get in again. So that they can be cleansed and washed away. Yeah, we're going to pray for a brand new anointing. We need to keep those nasties out. We need to keep the negativity away. We need to keep the fear away. You know, Mel preached a couple of weeks ago to live by faith and not by sight. The only way to do that is to live in a fresh anointing. The only way to, 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 to live by faith and not by what your circumstance is, as that proverb would suggest, yeah, is to live in that anointing, that fresh anointing every day. And you can only live in that fresh anointing every day if you abide in him. God's desire for you and me is the best. He desires and wants us to have the best. And this anointing, as the scripture says, teaches us and it empowers us and it equips us for what we have to face every day. Like it gets us ready for what life's going to throw at us. It says that it teaches us. It teaches us to be better parents, yeah? better business people. It just, it anoints us and God's anointing can come upon you. Yes, his fullness is in you. But God's anointing can come and empower you for anything that you go through at any time. It might be to be a better pastor, a better leader. And it's not just about ministry. It's in your homes and schools and workplaces. Father God wants his best for us all the time. Because the anointing empowers people. Right through the scripture, we see it at work. We think of Moses in the wilderness. Really, who wanted that job? Do you think Moses wanted that job? If it wasn't for the burning bush, I'm sure he would have tried to run away. And he probably was thinking of running away and then he heard the voice. So he had to go back. Like who would want that job of leading those people? But the anointing of God came upon him and empowered him and equipped him to do it, didn't it? What about King David? All the psalms that he wrote and the songs that he sang. We're still, we're still speaking out those same psalms. We're still reading them. We're still singing them. Because the anointing of God came upon him. It empowers us to go beyond the ordinary. It empowers us to go beyond the human to the supernatural. That's where God is. That's where faith is. Isn't it? 
That's why people have the strength to be missionaries, to be called and led to places like Kenya, you know, the Muli children's family, or Africa, hands at work. People that are empowered by God, their anointing comes upon them for what he's called them to do, and off they go. Remember Samson? He had that superhuman, supernatural strength. That was the anointing upon him. That was flat out the anointing upon him. What about Gideon in Judges? You've got to love that because Gideon saw himself as a nobody, the lowest of the low. It, the scripture says he felt that he was the least of the least, you know, the smallest clan of the smallest tribe, and it goes on and on and on and on. But God calls him and the anointing comes upon him and he blows a trumpet and thousands of people rally around him to go to battle. What does that tell us? It shows us and it tells us that's what a nobody can do under the anointing of God. Yeah, You don't have to be special. You just have to be a nobody that recognises the anointing upon your life. So this was God's best for him. God wants and desires his best for us. And he pours his anointing over our heads, one, to stop the enemy coming in, but two, to empower us and equip us for the things, to do the things that we could never imagine. Whatever, in you, whatever you and I want to do, God wants his best for us. And when we abide in, abide in him, his anointing is upon us. And it might be to raise children. It might be to be the best husband or the, or the best wife. It might be to be the best elder or the best business person or, the, or, 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 or Olympic athlete or the greatest AFL star, whatever it is that's in your heart, God wants his very best for you. Maybe it's to be an author or the richest person alive or a missionary to outback Ballarat. Whatever it is, Whatever you're led to be, there is a power that can take us and equip us from the ordinary to the supernatural. Now, God's desire is his best for us. And when we live in his anointing, when he pours it over our heads, the negativity can't get in. That stuff can't get in there. Our focus is on him. It can't torment us. Fear can't drive us. And all of a sudden, we're living and breathing as sons and daughters of the Most High God. And from that place, in that anointing, we learn from him. We're protected by him and empowered for him. Second Corinthians 1 Corinthians 1.22, chapter 1, verse 21 to 22, sorry. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21 to 22. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ... He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. The minute you and I said yes to Jesus, he anointed us. That was the beginning. That's the basic anointing. Here you go. And people, their stories have they said yes to Jesus or came out of the baptismal water or whatever their experiences and how all of a sudden things felt different, they thought different, they felt light. God had come upon them. He had anointed them. But there are Christians who don't even know that they're anointed. There are Christians in this world that don't live in that anointing. They just don't. But I want us to grab hold of the reality that his mercies are new every day. Every day he has new and fresh anointing for each and every one of us, not just some of us. This isn't reserved for kings and queens and priests and pastors. That's not how it works. It's for each and every person that makes up the body of Christ. That's why we go from glory to glory. That's why we go from strength to strength. That's why the scripture says that when we see him, we will be as him. In the same breath, as we seek him, we become more like him. Yeah? We've accepted Jesus, his fullness is in us. But we still live in a fallen flesh. The, the remnants yeah, of what's left over. 
though we are more than overcomers, and so we can overcome that. And as his anointing pours over us, we become more and more like him. So here's a question. Honestly, what's your thinking like these days? What's gnawing in your minds? What's driving you insane, causing you to run around in circles? Sometimes just to stop and bump into things. We need a fresh anointing. Oh, we do. Oh, it's so exciting. Lamentations. This week, the Lord led me to this passage and I, I shared it. But it's Lamentations chapter 3, verse 22 to 25. It says, The faithful love of the Lord never ends. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. That's for us. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who depend on him, to those who search for him. God is waiting for people to search for him. He's waiting for people to abide in him so that he can pour his anointing over you again and again and again and again. He wants to be good to you. He wants to be good to you. Yeah? He wants to anoint you afresh, each and every one of us. And the anointing comes when we've got open and pure hearts, when we're in right relationship with him, in right relationship with each other. You know, if you're here today and you're struggling with negative voices, you know, and you've got thoughts that you know are not God's thoughts, you're thinking in ways that, that daddy, that papa, wouldn't want you to think. Then maybe you're just like me at times and expecting the worst, Yeah. Maybe there's a fear in areas of our life. Well, this I have to say to all of us then. We need a fresh anointing. A fresh, fragrant anointing to keep the insects and the nasties out. A fresh anointing that allows us to keep the mind of Christ. A fresh anointing that empowers us to go beyond and to reach the supernatural. You know, Papa wants his best for us today. Right now, today. Father, God wants and desires his best for you and I. He wants us to live by faith and not by sight and not by the circumstances that we're in. But because of life, some of us are experiencing the opposite of God's best. But we need a fresh anointing. So why don't we stand? Can I have the, the team up? Is that all right? I want to pray. Like... This isn't a negative message. This is a, this is a life-giving message. Where, you know what? My thinking hasn't been right. Pastor, you know what? I'm with you. Sometimes I just think like, you know what? We need a fresh anointing. We need the Holy Ghost to fall afresh on us every day. The only thing that stops is anointing flowing over you every day so that your blessings will overflow. The only thing that stops that is you. See, God's desire is his best for you. And the only thing that stops his desire becoming a reality is us. So the guys are going to sing and I'm just going to open the altar and I'm going to encourage you, if that's you, if you need a fresh anointing of the Holy Ghost today, if you desire a fresh anointing to live life in a way where your mind doesn't feel as though you've got stuff in there that's driving you insane, then the altar is open for you. And we're going to pray for God's blessed anointing upon us. Yeah? The altar's open. Don't miss the opportunity to shift and move where you know you're at and where you find yourself at. Move to a place where God wants to bless you and bless you until your cup overflows in Jesus' name.